what is your uh, what is your favourite ice cream? Oh, okay. So I think I'm going to go with stracciatella. <laughs> <laughs> you know that uh, all our Italian listeners just rolled over and died at your pronunciation just then. <laughs> How should I say it? Well, I think you could say straccia. That would help. Straccia. Straccia. Stracciatella. Stracciatella. Yeah. <laughs> I can't do it. Can't, anyway. <laughs> no, Accents are really interesting in, um, in in speaking another language, aren't they? Do you know the you know in um, in the Simpsons the guy who works in the in the school Principal Skinner? No, no, no. The the, <laughs> the <laughs> no the uh, what's his name? He's got a Scottish accent. Oh, Willie, Willie, Willie. What's his what's his role at the school? He's the janitor, or I guess we would say the caretaker here. Caretaker, the the janitor, yes. And um, in the Italian version of The Simpsons, the janitor has a Sardinian accent, which tells you everything you need to know about what mainland Italy uh, thinks of uh, Sardinia. The teacher I've had for longest is Sardinian, and I've spent a lot of time there. So my accent, if I had anything other than a brutally English Italian accent, it would hint towards Sardinian. It is interesting when you've been taught by um, taught by people with a regional accent a second language, isn't it? Because <laughs> we, we picked up mo- most of our initial bits of Portuguese in the Alentejo region, which is like the countryside um, yeah and it's kind of a, it's an accent that's as strong as a geordie accent in the uk oh wow so there are people in the same way that people in the uk might say oh i don't really i can't really get an ear for a geordie accent um that that might that might make some people find it a bit difficult could you give us an example could you uh, i think uh, of a geordie accent uh, i'll try i'm not very good at a geordie accent but uh roller coaster pooper scuba kawasaki <laughs> there we go. Those are I the... love that you chose roller coaster. What was it? Po- roller coaster, pooper scooper, and Kawasaki. It's a thing. I can't remember which comedian it is, but there's a there's a there's certain keywords that you use yeah. to to get into like like so a Liverpoolian accent. Everybody knows is chicken. Shakan, shakan, Ch- oh Shechan. my god. So, but 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 uh, to, <laughs> rather than me just going, uh, here are all the accents I can do. Would you like to hear my? Uh, <laughs> Would you, would you like to hear my posh my posh lady from Mordingside in Edinburgh? Go on. Oh, hello. Will you be having a cup of tea? Oh, how nice to see you. Please sit down. It's so nice of you to join us. <laughs> which is dreadful. But I can, <laughs> I can only do it if she's... I have to imagine myself as <laughs> in a drawing room <laughs> with a pot of tea. Stracciatella. <laughs> <laughs> This is a podcast in which two friends have serious conversations about silly things and silly conversations about serious things. I'm Simon Ellis. And I'm Lee Miller. Welcome to Midlife In. Oh, is it my turn? Yeah, it's your turn. (laughs) (laughs) Don't give me that, because if it's not your turn, I have a topic. Oh dear, isn't it? It is your turn. I'm. I've been. Uh, I'm, topics have been raining on me this week. I don't even know where to begin. You did mention that you you had um, a, a cavalcade of ideas raining right. down on your tiny little bonce. Your head is a perfectly normal size. I don't know why I called it tiny and little. Tiny little. What was the word you used though? Tiny. B o n c e. Bonce. 
bonce. Is that not a word you're familiar with? I've, I think I've heard it in the context of like being knocked on the bonce. Yeah. Well, that's what was happening with ideas and you. Hit me with your best shot. Come on. Okay, so one of my guilty secrets, guilty pleasures... Guilty pleasures. That's the right. I word, prefer the idea of one of my guilty <laughs> secrets. <laughs> this is where you say, "So, no, I guilty might pleasures. Kill someone, <laughs> which is no laughing matter. No, it's not. So, yes, I, I was thinking about guilty pleasures. One of my guilty pleasures is, um, well, one of them is rom coms, but that's not the one I was thinking <gasps> of. <laughs> 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 There's so many things I want to say about the holiday. <laughs> the notebook. <laughs> I want to talk about specifically the Portuguese section of love. Actually, I could, and that's my favourite. That's always been my favourite through line of, of narrative. I think it's very sweet. Is there? A, hang on, is there a sequel to Love? I think they, there was a sequel. They made oh, yes, one some sort of Christmas for, thing. For, I think it was for children in need, but I don't know if anybody watched it. I didn't. I uh, assume that I am. I, I did. I did because I'm a rom-com completist. <laughs> so that's not the topic, I take it. You're no, no, that's not one of my pleasure. guilty pleasures. I mean, that is one of them, but it's not the one. And, and one of them is, which I, I'm always a little bit hesitant to. I, I can, and I think I have, I, I can spend a lot of time reading, practicing, working on the computer with things to do with productivity. One of the things that I was just thinking about being in control and being out of control, partly because I thought, is is part of my interest or part of the, let's say, the (laughs) psychological um, uh, uh, basis of uh, my curiosity is some kind of need to be in control or to maximize my sense of control in a let's say in a work environment or something like that that by by um knowing everything that needs to be known about productivity that somehow makes me feel safe and so i was wondering my question really is um when have you felt most out of control either briefly or over a period of time in your life okay so I'm going to give the most middle-class response to this. So when we moved here to the house that we live in now, which we've lived in for 13 and a bit years. Really? Um, yeah, I know. It's a long time. It's That's a funny. Long I, always, time. I always think that I knew you in Northampton much longer you know, <laughs> yeah. before you left. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah. It, anyway. was, it was a blink of an eye. Um, this is how long we've lived here. I need to replace the stair carpet in this house because there are holes in it. Because of, of Jeff. <laughs> actually, it was Steve that made the holes in the carpet. Not oh, Jeff. Steve. Yeah, poor dead Steve. Oh. That's a very sad story. We'll save that for another He's day. He's dead. <laughs> in the spreadsheet of our lives, Steve, who was a dog for anybody who doesn't know, just in case you're worrying. I mean, I'm sure you're why, why didn't we call this podcast the spreadsheet of our lives? <laughs> Uh, because I don't know that I don't know that our reliance on keeping a tally of who is and who isn't dead would become such an overwhelming theme. So what happened was Bob got a job um, down in the southwest when we were both living in the Midlands. So we were both working in the same place. She came back from her interview. Uh, she got told on the train journey home that she got the job. So. She came back from her interview and said, don't worry, what I'll do is I'm going to just rent a little room and I'll come back at the weekend. And I said, that seems like a really sensible idea. Um, Let's go down (laughs) next weekend and have a look at some places that you might live. 
I'd never been to this particular part of the world. And I, we arrived here and I was like, hang about. This is by the seaside. This is beautiful. This is the most delightful and divine little corner of the world. How come you get to live here and I've got to live in the Midlands? There's an excellent that ice seems... cream store there too as well, isn't there? There is. Yeah, so um, what happened was we put our house on the market. Things were looking good. We'd had quite a lot of people around. We'd had a couple of offers. I'm so sorry in advance because I did say that this is... But so, I I, It's funny, isn't it, about out of control? I was so curious about what uh, what yeah. I was thinking in my head. and then it was not going to be... No, because I've never had this turgid. kind of... <laughs> <laughs> mm, I love that word, turgid. <laughs> Let's say it was the Thursday. And on the Friday... There was a run on the Northern Rock Bank, and this was the beginning of the 2008 crash. <laughs> when you say, what can you, uh, like, you're just, uh, a run means so people started selling, it, basically its value started, started decreasing. What happened was people started trying to withdraw their money from Northern Rock. It was That's the first right, bank at the beginning of the banking crisis. So this is one of the things that precipitated, uh, like, the, the 2008 Financial crash at least in here this in, part of the world. Yeah, I was going to yeah, say yeah. here in the UK. Yeah. This was specifically a UK thing. You know, there's obviously all the. Um, f- f- oh, I want to say Fanny and somebody else. Yeah, the subprime mortgage problem. Yeah, in, that's in the, the stuff US. that was in the states. Yeah. Fanny and May. Fan, yeah, yeah. Is it? And then there's. I think it was. <laughs> all our economist uh, listeners will be just going, "Oh, please oh. get back to talking about fucking ice cream." <laughs> and so that was the point where I felt the most oh, out of control vulnerable. because yeah because we were trying to sell a house on a downturning market it was at the time the most exposing moment because it, it really is in it's it is the literal sense that there is nothing you can do about this it's not like yeah. you could you couldn't really bake some bread and no. encourage buyers in northampton or whatever no, like that no because we'd gone from a moment where it was what could we do to make the house the most attractive on the road there's lots of things that you can do in in a in a nice buoyant market but then the moment that the arse falls out of everything you're kind of just going well if anybody's got any sense, they're not buying a house right now. Mm. You understand that on a kind of like really, yeah, really visceral level. Yeah, is that the kind of thing that you you were expecting, or or did you have? No, I had no idea. idea. But it's it's actually okay. that's really interesting because it's about a total loss of agency in what became a massive worldwide problem, right? And the scale of that. Uh... Yeah, and also we we didn't. You know, we're at the other end of this. Going, nothing happened. We were fine. It was all good. But sure. we didn't. We couldn't. We couldn't know that at the time that it was all going to turn out good. And I know lots of people lost their houses. Lots of people were in. You know, really difficult. Left with um, with what's called negative equity. You you owe more than you can realize back on the property because of the falling market. And we were never in that situation. It just reminds me of that book, The Big Short, which they turned into a film. About yeah. the subprime mortgage uh, bubble. I Which mean, we is... could talk about greed at this particular point. I think I was thinking about, I, w- I was remembering a teacher uh, <laughs> at the Fame Academy. And um, <laughs> we were, it was a, a, a Graham class. Martha Graham was a. I was just going to say, Martha mother. Graham. Let's yep. give a bit and of context for we those non dancers. Yeah, we were doing, um, if you just uh, do a quick duck duck go search for Robin Williams. Martha Graham, that will give you a pretty good idea of uh, everything you need to know about Martha Graham. 
And uh, I'll put it in the show notes. We were being a little bit, it was quite early in the class, and, and we were being a little bit rowdy. You know, a little bit, not, not, we were just acting up a bit, acting out, acting up, acting up, oh, phrasal verbs. And um, this teacher, a beautiful man, beautiful, beautiful, caring, thoughtful, gentle, we, we called him Papa Joe. His name, was, his name was Joe Scolio, and um, what a dancer he was, uh, and what a human being. Just beautiful man. And um, he promptly got up and left. He just walked out of the class. And I think, I st- and I, the reason I'm saying it is because I remember being in a situation teaching when I lost control. Not of the class, that happens all the time, right? But of myself in the class. Meaning I got absurdly angry, like really totally out of control in a in a um in a state not what you've sort of your example there was much more like a, um yeah things happened to you uh which rendered you out of control meaning you know you were but i'm talking about a situation where whatever whatever happened can't even remember the specifics but i was totally i just lost it and just you know, it fills me with terror just thinking about it. But I was thinking about Papa Joe, Joe Scolio, and and I have a feeling that he didn't for a second lose control. I think he was making a very deliberate gesture to indicate something. I th- thought about it after this situation, in which I just got just you know really furious uh, in a class, and I've also been in situations where I've been in control and been angry, that I've, in effect, performed anger. I mean, yeah. I wouldn't do it now, I don't think. Circumstances don't happen. These are, you know, much younger students and and the kind of, the corralling of the of a group of dance students is always a bit um, kind of slight unusual. But again, I was less experienced and younger and so the difference in our ages wasn't as great and all sorts of things which were you know, which I think I perceive to be undermining my, my authority. <laughs> I'm not sure I had many claims to authority anyway, but, um, and, and I just, it, it's so stuck with me, that feeling of, of not only the, the experience of the, the loss of personal control, but then also the ramifications afterwards that what the group was left with was a particular state of me that, I think had a, you know, I, I could imagine had a uh, stayed with them much longer than whatever that particular scenario was. And so when I was thinking about being out of control, I was that, that was, a, you know, that was the situation that came to mind. And I'm, I wasn't thinking about long, like something which was uh, like a period of your life, which is, you know, in, in a sense, what you've just talked about. How did you reestablish a sense of, well, you could either think of it as control yeah. or, or- of yourself, or you could think of it as trust with the group. Did you make a reference to it? Did you say, oh, okay, so that was a thing that happened? I think I, my memory, again, I'm not even sure, but my memory is that I addressed it. Not then. I was too just trying to kind of keep keep some semblance of even <laughs> evenness, you know, a little late. <laughs> um, but my memory of, is of addressing it like the next time we met or whatever. You know, and just to say, look, I, I screwed up. This is, you know, doesn't matter what it is that you're doing. You, you don't deserve that kind of response. It doesn't deserve that kind of response. So it was sort of maybe, maybe, maybe it was kind of the, uh, expressing a particular kind of vulnerability in this in the aftermath 
I don't know about this conversation. It's strange because dancing has a kind of relationship to being out of control. You know, you, if you think of you know you think of the times social dancing, when you're just really just dancing and dancing and dancing, and that kind of sense where almost like you get taken over by the you, dancing. Which takes us back to an earlier conversation we had about you dancing in a square oh, in Italy, that's which right. in my head is Army Hammer. In the film, Call Me By Your Name. Um, but I'm not sure if we can reference Army Hammer anymore since the big furore of his behaviour. Oh, I don't know anything about the... Um... Oh, apparently he tweeted, no, sent a DM about wanting to drink someone's blood. I didn't pay that much attention. You mean it was QAnon related? Uh... No, no, as in he, he was he was being a bit um, sexy saucy and he was all like, you know, that that whole i don't know how to finish that sentence it was a sexy message he was sending to someone uh, who so wasn't his wife this is a slight tangent but drinking someone's blood oh wait wait sorry the problem was is he married or something i don't know anything about that. yeah i think the messages were sent at the point that he was married all oh, right um, so it wasn't about so, the fact that he was talking about drinking blood oh no i think there's been lots of it's this whole you know that again to to refer back to the uh the now mythical cancel culture episode it's the idea of being cancelled because he did something which it's really interesting he's he's articulated himself as in these messages as being interested in cannibalism in relationship to sex um and then there's like lots of kink shaming that that is happening as a result of this and it's kind of like this is really really interesting because this is absolutely the language of kink shaming which we're supposed to not want to do anymore because we're supposed to not live in that kind of a space we're supposed to be much more inclusive um and that sense that you know the the heteronormal is a, a, as a kind of a, a prison anyway so we should be happy that he wants to eat people's feet and drink their blood but apparently not because it, it's just that whole bizarre world anyway being out of control dancing like social dancing as you were saying i'll cut all of this out i can't tell you how far my jaw has dropped just listening to this show, because i don't know it, I, yeah, this is, it's just... An... I mean, it's all hearsay. I don't even know if it, it's, it's... I think it's one of those interesting things where it almost doesn't matter if he said the thing that he said in a direct message. It's been attributed to him because he is... He has been considered to be this, like, white-bred, old Hollywood-type movie star. And so he becomes a very safe, um, safe object to project uh, desire onto. And then that safeness is kind of is removed as he as he becomes human in front of people and it's really fascinating because uh, i don't know if you ever watch um i'm just laughing because i'm just doing a duck duck go search for army hammer and the two things that come up are army hammer and army hammer cannibal see see <laughs> and it's fascinating because this is the same this is the same culture that um <laughs> that have you ever seen i think it's buzzfeed is the website that does it which is they get people to read thirst tweets are you familiar with thirst tweets no and i'm just loving i this i've i should i don't, don't go there don't well you can if you want but it, what happens is that they get people like <laughs> timothy chalamet or army hammer <laughs> or killian murphy and they have to they're they're not as mainstream as the kind of the the leonardo dicaprios of the world they're kind of a bit of a level down and people write things about them like i want them i want them to spit in my mouth or i want them to choke me and there's all those kinds of things and then they the the buzzfeed gets these people to read them out loud Um, gets buzzfeed gets those people the the actors to to read out what Yeah, to, to read out the thirst tweets. So, um, so a thirst tweet is that what you're it saying? Will be, yeah, will be something like I think there's one that <laughs> there's one that sticks in my head, and it's somebody like 
it might not be Tom Holland, the current Spider-Man, but it's somebody like Tom Holland. Um, <laughs> I've just seen what Daniel Radcliffe reads Thirst tweets. There you go. And it might, be, it might even be Daniel Radcliffe. But somebody wrote on the internet, I want, let's say it was Daniel Radcliffe, I want Daniel Radcliffe to destroy my bussy. And he reads it out loud. <laughs> He reads it out loud, and then he just looks really quizzically off camera and goes, what's a bussy? <laughs> and somebody whispers, boy pussy. And he goes, oh, boy pussy. Like, like he's, he's, trying to, he's trying to process what a boy pussy might be. And then he works out, oh, oh, bottom, bottom hole. Oh, and so he's doing I all of you, this. I'm so glad I took you three quarters of an hour to get there. But get, there you did. So... There are these. I mean, I guess this is. A, this, I guess this, this entire episode is getting out of control. I know it is, isn't it? But this is a moment, I guess, of them being out of control, where they're being asked to oh. re- re- address. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm so sorry. I'm going to have to take my shirt off. The, it's so funny because I was just thinking, oh, this is a totally stink conversation about being out of control, and here we are. <laughs> <laughs> I promise I will try and get us back to social dancing. No, Bussy, but... let's stay with Bussy. <laughs> is it Bussy? Yeah, bu- bu- Bussy, which is which is a, a Darcy Bustle, word. a Darcy Bustle. <laughs> <laughs> no, Bussy is a portmanteau word. It's a neologism, <laughs> bringing together boy and pussy. Gotcha. Thank you. Thank but you. it's it kind of and then I. <laughs> I was oh. trying to be sensible, but oh. I do find it interesting. <laughs> he was one of the, you know, people People have these, like... They trusted. They trusted. Well, they have, yeah, I think so. I think they have these Baroque fantasies about, particularly him and Timothy Chalamet in relationship to um, to Call Me By Your Name, which, you know, was, was, a, was a, a really beautifully queer film, despite the fact that both of the performers are straight. And I guess the, the defence of the fact that both of the performers are straight is that arguably, although they're in a gay relationship with one another, both of the characters are fundamentally... I'm I'm pausing over the word straight here, but you know they're straight acting and they're straight representing in the world. Yeah. Even though their kind of their internal desires are are more complex, are more human. I was going to say complex, but I think it's just fair to say more more human. And mm. I wonder if it's the fact that Army Hammer has proved himself to be like like the rest of us, a bit complex, a little bit, you know, keen on things that maybe we wouldn't tell everyone. And now he's being kink shamed and cancelled. Now, exactly. Now he's being kink shamed and cancelled, and I just find it interesting because this, you know it's the same people who want to, him to destroy their their bussy. I guess, as in people on the internet. Oh. But you were talking about losing <clears throat> control in social dancing. No, I just can't. Connect- I just don't. I just cannot. I cannot. I cannot get back there. It's, it just oh. feels like. Uh, I feel like the the our unfaithful <laughs> listeners will be really mad at me for taking us down. I don't think a they will be. Very at all. unhelpful <laughs> path. The path of least resistance. It's also probably most of them already know about all this stuff. I just, <laughs> it doesn't. It doesn't remind me. The joy will be having it explained to you. <laughs> it does remind me. We used to have these family Christmases where um, my uh, beautiful niece she would uh, construct a um, you know a quiz, and we'd we'd get it. We'd be put into teams, and uh, we'd get sets of questions. And she was very good at balancing the kinds of questions for the teams. And uh, but there was always these blocks of questions which were about popular culture. You know, part of the running joke was because yeah. I just had no idea. I had yeah. I had no. I was good for sports. 
Good yeah. for arts. Yeah. Good for yeah. science. Pop culture, nah. Anyway, dancing, I, it, it's a curious, you know, because most of my dancing, well, not most, certainly a good part of my dancing life has been improvising. So there's a certain, it's a certain stepping into not knowing what's going to happen. And yet the kind of conditions and the kind of ways of dancing, there's a certain amount of, there's like these, those are unwritten kinds of um, things about taste and, and um, aesthetic things, which are effectively controlling this entry into being out of control. So it's, yeah. it's a totally sort of rigid, predetermined way of being. And, and under the illusion of anything goes, which is totally not the kind of thing I'm talking about in social dancing when anything can go, you, you know, although, you know, maybe the kinds of dancing, but still you can see extraordinarily diverse things on a social dancing floor, let's yeah. say. You know. and But also that kind of sense of people not being in themselves, almost as if they've exited themselves and it's just, you know, and to me that's, you know, extraordinary this extraordinary kind of, as if they're in trance and that amazing expression of being human. Whoa, love it. And so I guess the, you know, the flip side, of course, is to, if we've got time to. Yeah. What about being controlled? Ah, now, what are you asking there? When you say being controlled, do you mean when I have got everything sort of squared away or where I feel like my strings are being pulled? Well, I was thinking the latter, but certainly it could be either. <sighs> or when you've controlled others. Oh, I'm not talking about that. Okay. <laughs> I am never going to talk about the times I have manipulated people to get what I want. <laughs> we should have started there. Fuck, 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 fuck. <laughs> I started well, no, with the wrong question. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry about all those listeners who want really messy conversations. I apologize profoundly. I think I sometimes surprise myself with how just just middle class and privileged my responses are. Oh. You know, to to think about oh here we are touching on shame again. But you know, the the moment that I can think about where I'm the most out of control is where I might lose out on a property deal. And you just kind of take a moment to reflect upon that and go, that, oh. that's a bit of a that's a it's a, an interesting thing to be the thing that sort of springs to mind, but it's yeah, but, also the but, truth. But also, but I, I think it's really important that that money, I, I don't think it's even about the scale of money. So yes, when you're talking about property, it's a particular scale, it's a particular class and particular opportunities, all that kind of thing. But at the same time, you don't, it doesn't, that, that maps on to um, many experiences that people have. What you just said there, I, I'm really aware that I personally you know i was i was born into a relatively comfortable and affluent situation i didn't see my parents struggle because my parents didn't have me until they were relatively you know relatively old they had me in their early 30s which in the 70s was late to have their first child in their early in, you know in their in their 30s and bearing in mind that they both left school at 14 yeah. they'd been working for half their half their life by more that, than, more than yeah. more than half their life yeah. so i know that i still carry with me the language of my dad and my mum my dad particularly who who's just he trusts nothing except property yeah you can't rent rent is dead money you've got to put your money into property because yeah. he was brought up in a council house and yeah. the council house that he was brought up in was a huge step up from what he was born into. He talks about being born into a slum in Blackpool that when they were knocked down, these back-to-back terrace houses, and he was put into a, um, into, um, a council flat, he was like, this was amazing. 
this is amazing. We had three bedrooms, three bedrooms for a family of uh, eight. So you kind of go, that's not that many. But for him, it was all of a sudden this massive shift from a one up, one down. So his narratives are so deeply inscribed in me, even though I don't necessarily feel them in the same way. I never went without food. My mum went without food when she was a kid. I didn't. My mum did. Mm-hmm. And so that, that's that different. My mum was um, a, a, the, the, the child of a, of a single parent. That's, you know, also deep shame connected to that in the, 40, in the, 50s, in the 50s when she was a kid. I'm sorry, I'm 40s and 50s. Yes, I'm, I'm rambling. Um, but just thinking about being out of control, the, the contextual nature of it, I think that that sense of potentially l- losing that kind of capital, literal and I guess cultural, that um, <laughs> was so inscribed into me growing up sure. that you have to get yeah. on the ladder, yeah. you have to save up, you yeah. have to get enough money to do this, and because this is the only thing that's going to keep you yeah, safe. So, so what you're saying is they that, can't take that off you. That's right. But what you are saying is that um, that the reality of the situation, meaning the actual circumstances in relation to the mortgage, etc. Yeah were not necessarily directly related to the sensation. Actually, those things do, they're fed into how we understand the world deeply. Yeah. It's, so it's more complex, isn't it? Than... It is, I think, the idea of, of where we landed on last week, where we kind of landed on again here, that sense of, you know, that sense of shame still being a, a kind of a, a, a big iceberg that's floating towards us. I, I, I did have a thought that maybe we should um, briefly discuss with our listeners the um, marketing and communications meeting. We had a meeting with our marketing and communications team during the week. We should talk to them about that meeting because I think it actually... <laughs> <laughs> For a second, I'm listening to you thinking, did we have a marketing meeting that I didn't go to? Is this another one of those meetings that I turned up too drunk for? <laughs> Was, yeah, we should we should definitely talk about the because um, it does the affect the listeners. Meeting. It does affect. It does affect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because anyway, and so I, I I think the the outcome really was that we've had to fire that team because they haven't really because they they were suggesting that our goal should be to um, expand our audience. That stupid. But don't you think? I think the idea of exponential growth in a fixed market economy is really. <laughs> I got no idea what I'm saying. But it's true, right? That. It, it, that um, you know, and we'd fallen into the trap. We they'd misguided us, they'd misled us, and we were you know sending out little messages saying, "Tell your friends, rate yeah. us on rate us on Apple Podcasts, yeah, that kind yeah. of thing." I, absolutely, I think it's also because they were they kept they kept bombarding us with regular text messages. Oh, we're now at nine hundred forty-seven downloads. Soon we'll be at a thousand downloads. Just yeah. think what an achievement that will be. And yeah, it's like, and and we both we both we drank the Kool Aid. We drank it, and so we we. We've, de- we've decided to to give up that Kool Aid, and we want to let you know, um, dear uh, and faithful and Un- unfaithful unfaithful. Is, uh, unfaithful listeners, that um, we only want you. We and don't the, the, want to. Gr- we don't want growth. We want. We want depth. Exactly. So don't tell anyone. Keep it's this as ju- a keep this as a small, private Shh. thing, just between us. Is it, is it? Can everybody just lean in a little bit? Just, just lean in a little, a little bit. bit I want closer. You, just a little closer. This is our secret. Don't share it. 